0: with the lack of sleep and I didn't know how to get to my hostel exactly. And so I sit down at this table and I literally start like sweating and I start like <laughs> freaking out and I didn't expect to experience those emotions. So I think when they hit me, it hit even harder. I text my friend, Jack. I was like, Jack, is this what culture shocks like? And he's like, you're in the airport. Like, no,
1: <laughs> You've just eaten at McDonald's.
0: <laughs> Seriously.
1: This is the, war, war, the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 422. Have you always been dying to know what's the sweatiest city in the U.S.? Well, luckily for you, Honeywell fans wanted to know the answer too. I think there's a bit of a bias there. And so they commissioned a study that, and I quote... The study factored in the average summer temperatures of each city and proximity to large bodies of water, fitness and recreational sports facilities, as well as sports teams per capita were also considered in the rankings, knowing that more frequent exercise and crowded sporting events lead to a city's overall sweatiness. And the 2019 winner of the U.S.'s sweatiest city is? You're going to have to wait till the end of the show to find out. But here's a quick hint. It's not surprisingly in Florida. One, two, three. I'll show you Paris
2: in the morning. I'll show you London afternoon. If you feel your Dublin heart is burning, then yeah, when well you don't have Travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your co-host, Heather Sherry, and joining us today is someone who loves cliff diving with Italian grandmas and a good pork chop, who all of you have met before, even if you don't know it, since she's in charge of the EPop social media, and who just launched her very own podcast with the best podcast tagline we've ever heard, MAC from the sweaty traveler podcast. Hi guys, are you
0: ready? <laughs> Let's get sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so exciting.
1: Mac, welcome to the show. Congrats on launching your own podcast and yes, that tagline, are you ready? Let's get sweaty. Love it. <laughs> love <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> so, all right, if people people are like if they haven't listened to your show, hey, stop, pause, go subscribe, review, go listen to it but they're like the sweaty traveler like i understand wha-
0: like the words what does it mean though what's the ethos
1: of the sweaty traveler
0: yeah so on my very first trip i felt i had seen all of these instagram bloggers and these influencers and these vlogs about like people traveling and so i When I went on my first trip, I thought I was supposed to be doing these certain things. I thought traveling was supposed to go this certain way. And I experienced what I like to call traveler's guilt, which is where I felt like I wasn't seeing enough artwork or I wasn't eating the right type of food. And, you know, I didn't want to climb the Eiffel Tower. And I was like, what's wrong with me? So I decided that I wanted to show the crazy sides of travel, the mishaps, the sweatiness, the missed flights. And I wanted to bring those stories to light too, because that is truly what I think shows an entire story of travel. So that's where it came from.
2: Yeah. We love this whole idea because, you know, even we can be guilty of this sometimes of just putting up the perfect pictures on Instagram, even though Trav tries to, you know, put up some more of the real life things. Mac
1: and Heather will not let me put up something that isn't nice enough for the Epoch Instagram.
2: (laughs) Well, that's why we have the podcast though, because visually, you know, people might not want to see our sweatiness on Instagram, uh, but they, they might want to hear about it because as you say, not everybody has the perfect experience. And in fact, most people don't, there's always going to be something that goes wrong.
0: Yeah. And I think that I mean, that's what creates the best stories. That's this, you're not telling the stories where you felt perfectly fine and you're telling the stories where you missed a flight and you made a new friend because they, were, they missed their flight too. Or you tell the stories about when you're in a hostel and you get bed bugs and fight with the workers there. I mean, it's just all these things that create, I feel like, the best memories to share with others. How
1: quickly did you realize that this was traveler's guilt? Because it, it took us, and I think it takes some people, I don't want to say a lifetime, but a long time to realize that because we've been in certain circumstances where you go to a certain place and you think, all right, well, I ha- if it's the first time I'm here, I have to do these 10 things, right? And, and if you don't get to them, yeah, you either feel guilty or if you say, I want to take a day just wandering around you think, but no, I got to get to the Eiffel Tower. I got to get to the Louvre. I've got to do this, this, and this. And so there are a lot of people who maybe never even realized they had this travel scope, but it seemed like it hit you pretty quick.
0: Yeah, it took me like two days. I got to Paris and I literally, when I planned my first trip, I planned out my itinerary for each day. I was like, I'm going to do the Louvre. I'm going to do the Arc de Triomphe, all of these things. But when I got there, I, my day ended at about like five or six o'clock and I felt really guilty for going back to the hostel at that time, even though I had been out and about since like seven or eight and I felt really uncomfortable being out in Paris alone. And I was like, but all these people, like they go out and they go drinking with their friends and they meet people at night and they go see the Eiffel Tower at night. And I felt really guilty for not doing those things, even though I had a, a whole day packed of like the touristy things that I wanted to do. I just felt really bad for not doing the same things that I saw other people doing on Instagram. So it was pretty fast. Um, and then I realized, I, well, I just said to myself, I'm going to do what makes me happy and I might travel different than other people and that's okay. I think that's incredibly enlightened and mature <laughs> of you because we
2: were just on your podcast where we talk about a lot of our meltdowns and mishaps and it took us years to come <laughs> to that point where we were like, okay, we just need to figure out what we need and what makes us happy and be okay with that so yeah you're you 're way ahead of the game there
1: <laughs> I think we can also expand it out to a macro viewpoint and say you don 't have to go to destinations that might not be for you, so everyone thinks oh you know i 've got to go to paris because it 's paris i 've got to go to london and and this and that, but if you don 't inj- if you 're not someone who says like "I like a city and I want to do artwork and I want to see the things that Paris is known for you don 't have to go there. I think we on a day to day level, when you are in a place, you get that travelers go, and you can also get it when you're thinking of where you want to go, right? Like people say, you got to go here, you got to go here. Well, no, you don't. Like pick the places that speak to you based on the activities you want to do, the type of food you want to eat, the people you want to meet, the language you want to learn, whatever.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like just with that, only not only with destinations, but I found that I just don't like art museums. I just, I, no shame to art I think it's beautiful I just don't get it and so I kept forcing myself to go to these art museums and I'm like why am I spending 30 euro to go to these art museums and I walk around I'm like I don't really know what I'm looking at so I you know that's one thing that I've stopped doing I've stopped forcing myself to go into art museums so just finding I would much rather be at a authentic Italian restaurant or you know at a coffee shop just experiencing the people there.
1: Yeah. We couldn't agree more. Well, me specifically, you like art museums a little more, but, and I'll, and I'll go in at times like, you know, but we will not plan a trip around that because that isn't again, our MO it's like, that's $30 that I could spend on gelato that I could spend <laughs> yes. on, you know, beer, whatever on good food. So, you know, do what makes you happy. And I think that's pretty crazy to me that you were able to figure that out so quickly because again, can, it takes people multiple trips, multiple years sometimes to figure out, hey, this is what I like and this is what I don't like and then come to terms with it and be okay with saying, I'm going to do me.
0: Yeah. And I think I still experience that feeling. I mean, I think that's just something that you have to manage throughout your travel and throughout your travels. But There was even times on that first trip, I was traveling a lot slower than a lot of the other backpackers in Europe. So I'd meet these people in hostels that were like, oh, I spend two days here and then I go two days here and then like traveling super fast. And I was spending like five to seven days in a place. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? I should be going to all these places. But I really liked the slow travel and really getting to know like the people and the culture there a little bit more. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit
2: about solo female travel because you are not afraid to do it. And I wonder if you have any tips or tricks or just motivation for other women
0: out there to get out and travel. Yeah. So my first trip that I went on, I was completely alone. It was my first big trip ever. I would say looking back now, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, that was crazy. I took a mega bus to New York and I went from New York to New Jersey, New Jersey to Portugal, Portugal to Paris. And it was I mean, I had never done a big trip like that before, but I would recommend to any female out there that wants to travel to just do it. I was tired of waiting on my friends to book flights with me. And I was like, screw it, I'm going alone. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I feel so comfortable being alone now. And I'm not afraid to go to these destinations by myself and experience that country or city alone. But any tips I would say is make sure that you're planning things ahead of time. Make sure people know, where you're going and like have like a little bit of a rough itinerary so if something were to happen they were, they would know where you go um also international data was huge for me i actually bought a sim card while i was traveling which was very helpful because i always had my google maps i would always be in contact with like my mom or sisters um but i would i mean do it it's scary at first but you learn so much about yourself and the people usually in other countries are so nice and helpful
1: you mentioned your first big trip and and want you know kind of waiting on friends because probably a lot of people are that way like oh we're gonna go do it you know we've got this group of friends let's all do it or maybe it's family members whoever and someone ultimately is dragging their feet or everyone's dragging their feet except you so that decision to start traveling and just say I'm, I'm doing it like where did that come from? Had it do you think it's something that your parents like kind of pushed, not pushed into you, but like had um an impact on? Was it something you read? Was it just your own curiosity? What brought you from, hey, I'm just, you know, a normal person living in Ohio. So I'm gonna take this big trip on my own and no one's coming with me. And I that's fine. I'm gonna do it.
0: So the first thing is, I never really grew up doing any international travel. My family would go to the Outer Banks. We went to California. Like, we'd do all these small trips. But I have a very, like, proud to have Italian heritage I don't know where that came from but I always have been like I'm going to Italy and even from like five years old I was like I'm gonna go to Italy someday so I'd always wanted to do that but then I had booked trips I think there were three trips canceled with friends that once was at my freshman year of college and then it was like right after we graduated and I was like you know what I'm so sick of booking these and having to pay these stupid cancellation fees so I met with um, a friend who had done this for six months with her sister and She said it was great. And so I went home that day and I booked my flight for $169 and off I went. So, wow.
1: Yeah. What was the feedback from friends that, you know, maybe even the ones that had said they were going to come with you at some point and then didn't? And then family, like, were your parents like, Mac, I don't know, you're going on your own? Because it is different, right? It's if you have a group or you're, yeah, you're either going on a group trip or just a group of friends. I feel like parents would say, Oh yeah, you know, they're all together at least, but here you are going off on your own. And what, what did they think? Like, was there any blowback from them or was it just, yeah, you got to go and do it.
0: So I would say my friends were jealous because they weren't going. And I was like, guys, I'm sick of waiting on you. Um, but my, (laughs) (laughs) um, but my, parents didn't say anything until I got back. My mom, when I got back, she's like, I was so scared the entire time. She's like, I didn't want to worry you. I knew you could do it, but letting you, not letting me, but seeing me go to Europe alone was very scary for her. When I actually landed in Paris, I had a complete panic attack and breakdown. I was like, mom, I'm coming home. I was like, I'm getting on the next flight. I don't want to be here. I, had, I hadn't slept in like 48 hours, but I was so I was like, I'm going to be alone for like the next six weeks. This is so overwhelming. And she's like, no, you can do it. And she, when I got home, she told me, she's like, I was really freaking out when you called me. I thought that you were going to come home. But she knows I think that I was going to do it either way. So she tried to support me as much as possible. But literally every other person that I told was like, have you seen Taken? Have you seen Hostel? <gasps> have you seen Hostel no. 2? And I'm like, have you seen it no. Three? To yeah,
1: qualify, many-
0: <laughs> exactly. And I was like, "Yeah, I've seen those, but I've heard nothing but incredible things about people who travel and the experiences they have." And I was like, "I guess I'll just make up my own um, opinions about traveling." And you guys have never actually done it for yourselves, so you don't have the the right to make an opinion on it. So.
1: I, I want to hear a little bit about this breakdown. <laughs> almost, I mean, I kind of knew, like, I remember you saying to us, hey, yeah, like, this was a rough go when I first landed, but I didn't know it was to the point where you were thinking, you know, I've been dreaming about this, dreaming about this, I'm here, and get get me out of here. So why did it happen?
0: Yeah, so I, like I said, it took me a really long time to actually get to Europe because my flight was so cheap, so the itinerary was crazy. So the Portugal airport was a complete mess. The the announcement system like kept going off, and I had not slept. And then we had we had delays, whatever. I was exhausted. So the b- time I got to Paris, I actually skipped customs somehow. I went out like the wrong door. I don't know what happened. So I get in to the airport and I go and buy my SIM card, and he, the guy wasn't nice to me. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, Oh no, what have I done?
1: You are in Paris, of course,
0: not true, not
1: <laughs> true. That's true.
0: <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought that these people would be nice. To-. Meanwhile, I'd met one person and I, with the lack of sleep and I didn't know how to get to my hostel exactly. And so I sit down at this table and I literally start like sweating and I start <laughs> like <laughs> freaking out. And I, as soon as I get my SIM card in, I text my mom. I was like, mom, I want to come home. Like, I'm like, help me get home. Fi- help me find a flight. I was just so overwhelmed with the fact that I was going to be alone for the next six weeks. And I didn't, expect to experience those emotions so i think when they hit me it hit even harder and so i called my mom i texted my friend jack i was like jack is this what culture shock's like and he's <laughs> like you are in the airport like <laughs> no
1: <laughs> you've just eaten at mcdonald's
0: <laughs> seriously and so what i did is i was like okay i got this i'm going to get to my hostel i'm going to sleep a bit and after like my mom had helped calm me down my sisters helped calm me down it took an army to get me there but I had dreamt of this. And when I got there, expectation didn't meet reality. So I think that's what really set me off. But even the next morning, I experienced a little bit of that panic as well. Just, I was like, I'm alone. Like I'm going to be alone, but you meet people in hostels and I was not alone. So.
2: Yeah. I can attest to having feelings of panic or anxiety. And a lot of the time it's just because a few things, either I need to sleep. Either I need to eat or I need a cup of coffee. So it's, it's kind of like Trav knows what to do in those situations. Like you, you, you have to be aware of your own needs and have a little bit of just a time where you can breathe, try to get some perspective and do something that makes you feel normal. So in your case you needed some sleep but yeah it could just be you know something that you usually do at home you can do when you're traveling to kind of ground yourself because it can be scary and when you're so exhausted especially when you get off the flight and finding your accommodation that is the time where it's very likely to have a meltdown because all you want to do is rest.
0: <laughs> yes and I was so overwhelmed with the idea of the metro in Paris or I was like the map, you look at the map and you're like, what in the world is this? Like, how am I going to figure this out? If, I mean, we don't have that in Ohio, like not even close. We don't (laughs) even have subways, like nothing. So that I think I was super overwhelmed and I didn't realize that it, the airport was like an hour away from like the actual city. I was like, it'll be close to Paris, whatever. But that was overwhelming. And the, just like the fact that the Parisian people aren't super friendly and like willing to help wasn't great either. But once I got on the Metro, I was good to go.
1: Did you have any other moments like that then throughout the rest of the six weeks? Cause the whole ethos is sweaty traveler, right? And not that we're not going to talk about the good stuff. Cause we will. Um, but you know, we're talking about this—the real side of travel—and and we came on your podcast. And if you guys listen to that, we told a lot of the mishaps, some that you've heard on this podcast, some new ones. But was there another, let's say, either low point or another kind of point throughout the trip where you're like, "Oh man, now I'm experiencing this again," and I, you know, I thought I was over it because like I already got past that first day. Let's let's move on, and it's hitting you again for some reason.
0: Yeah, there were some mornings that it would be. I would have that feeling, but specifically when I was in Trebbiano, Italy, I was staying with this little Italian lady, and she didn't speak any English. So it was literally just me and her because someone else had booked her actual Airbnb. So I was staying in her home, and there were there was nothing else around. It was just her Airbnb in this tiny tiny town. Lirici Beach was close. It was kind of close to Cinque Terre, but. I mean, it was just me and her, and she didn't speak English, so I would I would get these feelings of loneliness and the feeling of being overwhelmed and homesick, and I couldn't express that to anyone because there was no cell phone service, and she didn't speak any English, and although I was having the best time with her, I just felt, I guess, a little homesick and a little overwhelmed that I still had more to go on my trip. Like, I had more destinations after that, but... I think it was just something that I had to work through when I felt that I'd take time by myself. I'd go to bed early or I have my travel journals that I bring with me and just like writing about how I was feeling was really helpful too.
2: Yeah. Those are all really good tips. Journaling, I think is really helpful for a lot of people to just get out of their head and get it out onto the paper. I think it would be really fun to kind of switch right now and talk about fun. <laughs> and what I alluded to in the intro is that you went cliff diving with an uh, elderly <laughs> Italian woman. Yes. Was that the Airbnb host that you stayed with or someone else? And can you tell us that story?
0: Yes. So her name is Lada, is what she says. She calls me Lawrence because she doesn't understand that my name okay. is Mackenzie. I don't know where the confusion came into, but... I had booked this Airbnb and I had no idea what to expect. This is not like a tourist town at all. It's literally just all Italians. Don't speak English, whatever. And she picks me up from the train station and she has this little tiny car and her dog, Luna. And (laughs) so she's like waving to me and I assume it's her because why else would she be waving to me? And she takes me to her home and she explains to me through Google Translate that her actual Airbnb had been booked. And something had happened, so I'd be staying in her house with her. And I was like, okay, like, that's weird. Hopefully you're not a murderer. Yeah, I mean, she had good reviews, but who knows? And so we get in her house. It's the cutest Italian house. I mean, it's literally on this mountaintop, and you walk in, and it's just, like, open. All the windows are open. In the back, there's this garden that overlooks this, like, sea, I guess. I don't know. It was beautiful. So she's like trying to like tell me where to stay, where to put my stuff. And we figure that out. And then she comes in my room and she's like, we're going swimming. Like she does not say that, but she translates like we're going swimming. And we pick up her friend, another Laura apparently. And we pick her up on the, literally <laughs> on the side of the road. I'm not joking. She like drops off her bike and gets in the car. So it's two Laura's and Luna. And we go to LaRici beach and it's a nude beach, first of all. So, was that the most nude beach that you've ever been to with a grandma? <laughs> it was. Thankfully, they were not nude. She did later on in the trip go topless at a beach, but whatever. I was used to it at that point, so it was fine. So she's like pointing at me to like come in the water. And so I go in the water and she's like, Can you swim? And I was like, I mean, Yes, but I don't know what I'm about to get myself into. So we're like swimming in the sea, and it's not like the same waves that you would see in like the ocean. So it's pretty. I mean, it's easy, but like we are swimming for like a while, and so we, sw- <laughs> <laughs> we went out to these like this ledge, these rocks, and she's the one lady's like, no, don't tell her to get on the rocks. Like I'm only assuming this is what they were saying, but she, I think that she knew. I was like, what are we doing? And these <laughs> women are like 65, 70 years old. Like they are like, I mean they're not young, uh, young they're whatever they're lively they're not women they're in their 20s they're yes, not in their 20s like exactly you. <laughs> they were killing it though i mean i could barely keep up so they like climb these rocks we go up this like big ledge and i'm like oh my gosh like we've ended up on this cliff like what is going on <laughs> in the middle of the sea in the middle of the sea and there's no one around like somehow we had just like left society and we're she's like pointing at me to like go over to the edge and I was like no <laughs> and the one lady points at my tattoo which I have on my side and it's la Vita e bella which means life is beautiful in Italian and she's like life is beautiful and then she's like jump and I was like um, <laughs> um what does that mean <laughs> yeah exactly she's like she's like experience experience and I'm like okay and so the one lady just like jumps off the one Laura who wasn't my Airbnb host and then my Laura the Airbnb host is like come on and she like kind of like nudges me a little bit and finally like i jump off and i'm like the whole time like i'm like falling down this cliff i'm like what if there's rocks like the other laura seems okay so whatever and then the the other laura who's on the top of the cliff jumps down and like at the end they're like all clapping and excited and then they're like again and i'm like okay and so that's what we did all day it was just jump off these cliffs it was
2: awesome that sounds incredible. I've never jumped off a cliff because I guess I'm too much of a sissy. Trav did it in Greece all by himself. I mean, there were a lot of other people doing it and he didn't have to swim miles alone in the (laughs) sea with two elderly women to do it,
0: which I can't believe. I mean, and you had just arrived and she was like, let's go swimming. Just arrived. I remember I hadn't been texting my, I had like a family WhatsApp and I wasn't texting anyone in it because I left my phone at home. And when we got back from cliff diving, jumping, whatever, I had all these messages and everyone's like, is Mac alive? Have you heard from Mac? And I was like, sorry guys, I was just having literally the best day of my life. So she (laughs) like yanked me out of the train station, took me cliff diving. And I mean, it was, it was the best. It was the best day.
1: What other authentic awesome experiences did you have during that journey
0: oh yeah she we still talk we actually were just chatting the other day because i know that she's in lockdown in italy so i was just we have worry connect on whatsapp but she was just absolutely incredible she took me to these old castles in italy that i mean no tourists were there literally like these kids were running around in these castles that had like they lived near there and that was really cool and you could just explore the like the castle grounds without having a bunch of tourists in your pictures and she would try to explain like the stories to me but we also went to her friend's house she like knew everyone in this town and we went horseback riding and I had never really been on a horse before, but like we started. Never, slow you we... had
1: never really been on, <laughs> yeah. or you
0: had, or you hadn't. Do you count the ponies at like the state fairs as a horse? Oh, I
1: guess that is an in between.
0: <laughs> uh, it's kind I, of. A
1: horse. All right, you're right. You, you had never really been on <laughs> yeah. a horse.
0: Yeah, so I'm on this horse, and it was just so fun. She had so much property, so we would just like walk around the property with her horses, and then we came back, and then we made homemade limoncello with her, and. Mm-hmm. It was just so fun. And everyone's like, what was your favorite part of, you know, your first solo trip? And I, that hands down, that was the best experience I've ever had. And I'm dying to go back to her Airbnb as soon as possible. She was just like, every night we would cook together and we'd go to the beach and we'd go out to her garden. And sometimes she'd literally be like, okay, I'm leaving. Like you have fun. And I'm like, just hang out in her house. It was just such a fun experience to have. Yeah. But
1: I guess the question is, when you go back, are you staying in her house or <laughs> oh, yeah. her Airbnb? Well,
0: when I left, she messaged me and said, I'm no longer a guest. I'm a friend. So I, I'd say I get the friend privilege of the house, but we'll nice. see. <laughs>
1: she just has to learn your name at some point. But hey.
0: <laughs> Lawrence, yeah. Be it's Lawrence fine. for her. Can,
1: <laughs> so that you talk about kind of getting off the beaten path there, right? And booking an Airbnb in a place that isn't a tourist town. What made you decide to not do your typical, let's say, backpacker route? You have six weeks in Europe, so you're gonna go from Paris down to Barcelona, you know, you're gonna go up to Amsterdam, like you're gonna kind of hit the hot spots. Why did you decide I'm gonna get off the beaten path and have an experience that is definitely gonna put me out of my comfort zone? Like, and you didn't know it was gonna turn out as amazing as it does. And we try to teach people that or tell people that through the podcast, right? Like, when you do this stuff, you have these crazy experiences. But that's scary to do, especially as a solo female traveler on their first trip. So what was the impetus for that versus just taking, you know, meeting up with other hostile people and say, all right, I'm going to follow you around for the next six weeks and, you know, party in these different cities.
0: Yeah. So I think this is probably not the answer you're looking for, but I had no idea that it was as far away as it was from <laughs> <Cingatera>. <laughs> But So it was a
2: mistake. It, it was.
0: <laughs> but I think the thing was, is she, when I had gotten there, she was like, do you want to go to Chingaterra and see like the coast? And I was like, you know what, Laura, let's do whatever you want to do. And so I was like, yeah, it would be really cool to go there and experience all the the coast and the hiking and whatever but i was like let's just she knows this place better than anyone else so i'm like you take the wheel and i just let her kind of design that part of my trip and i there were other situations that i was in throughout my travels that you just you kind of want to do the unexpected thing you want to go off the beaten path and do the things that make you uncomfortable because that those really are the best experiences that you get
2: yeah, we kind of have a little motto that we say, which is very simple. Just say yes.
0: yes. As <laughs> long as you feel comfortable
2: and safe. You know, those situations, like we talked about one that we had in Georgia where this woman invited us back to her home after we met her on a bus for 45 minutes. And, you know, if we said no, because...
1: After we thought she hated us for the first 15. <laughs> so like, we had 30 minutes of good blood and we were like,
2: right. You know, and in some cases we would maybe say, no, we don't want to like, get off of our itinerary and go to your house in the middle of nowhere, not knowing how we'll get to our final destination. And we could have said no, because that was the comfortable option. But when you say yes, as long as you feel safe and comfortable, you can have these incredible
0: authentic experiences that you just don't get if you play it safe. Oh, exactly. And I think there are, if it would have been, you know, a man like lorenzo or whatever i probably Sorry. wouldn't have stayed there <laughs> um but just i think as a solo female traveler there are situations that you do feel unsafe but the ones that you don't go for it, it it's totally worth it
1: were there any other uh big say yes moments for you during that trip
0: not during or, that or, or one. anything
1: yeah or anything in your travels any other trips that
0: you've have taken? come up mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh, the one i had was in prague i met these two guys on a walking tour. And I was like, okay, they don't seem creepy. So like I'll hang out with them for a bit. And we actually like decided to spend like the whole day and next day together. We had, we went paddle boarding in the Czech river and we would like, I don't know, we just experienced these things that I would normally wouldn't have done by myself because I had other people with me. Um, but they or the, were the ones that invited me to go with them. And typically I would have stuck to my itinerary and, you know, done my own thing. But that was something that was super fun. And i was really glad that I went with them. So
1: what then after coming back from that first trip, where, like, where did you stand? Were you like, I'm all in on this travel thing? Like, this is it. Like I had this experience. It was amazing. And I'm going to do anything I can to continue this. Or was it life as normal? And then something else came up that kind of pushed you down that path?
0: Yeah. So I, I mean, I had always known I wanted to travel. So when I got back from that trip and like alive and well, I was like, I have to go back as soon as possible. And I, life went back to normal a bit, but I was always looking at flights, always looking at like places I wanted to go. And I was starting to get like a little bit frustrated because like no one was asking me about my trip like I was expecting like strangers I guess to come up and be like how was Europe like no that doesn't happen I just wanted to tell everyone about it um but I actually got really sick when I came back um just like the flu because I had been going full speed for six weeks and so I got back I was sick and then I got a little depressed because I was like I don't ever want that to end so that's I mean it was fine but I wanted to be traveling full-time and I knew that I had to make that happen somehow
2: yeah. And sometimes it's hard when you get home and you're so jazzed and excited from a trip and then the people around you in your life are like, don't, they don't care at all. Yeah. So you have to find other people who love to travel too. So you can just totally geek out and share experiences, which is one thing we love about even having this podcast is getting to talk to people who share our love and excitement of travel so that that feeling can last even when you're at home.
0: Yeah. And my mom does a great job. My mom's incredible. She drove. So my boyfriend at the time actually picked me up from the Pittsburgh airport and my mom drove three hours to the airport with my sisters, even though I wasn't going to like go back with them. And they had a sign and they made up a wrap and she like had Starbucks ready for me. And she, so this is the worst part. She had a pizza box and like it had Italy on it. Like the, outline of the country and I was like oh my gosh she got me pizza I'm so excited and I open it and it was empty and she's like well it just had Italy on it so we were excited because <laughs> and you're you like I'm gone. hungry <laughs> yes and but she was super excited and that was nice but I think sometimes other people either just like don't get the experience because they haven't traveled or they're a little bit jealous of you going on like trips like that so they maybe just don't want to talk about it but I agree surrounding yourself with similar people is a good idea
1: It's weird when you have a change and and for us, it's happened via travel and mostly when you have a change to who you are. Like you're, you're, you know, your inside makeup changes. You're a different person. And we felt that way after living in Japan, we came back and we're like, we're to, we're very different than when we left here two years ago. We
2: actually had the opposite of culture shock, like reverse culture shock when we moved home from Japan. <laughs> we we're did. like, oh, we have to get used to the U S again after two years of living. Yeah. We were in bowing very- to
1: everyone. We were like the chicken, <laughs> the bobbing chicken. And we're like, well, we should do that. But when you're in, when you've changed inside as a person, but no one knows, like they they can't see that. And so your outer self is exactly the same. And you just, as you mentioned, I love it. You expect people to know like, oh, well, when I'm here and at the grocery store, well, I was just in Japan for two years. So they know (laughs) that I, this is so new to me. No, they don't. They have no idea that you haven't been to this Wegmans every day for the last two years. Um, So it is, it's, you have to kind of play with that and say, how can I, still have that outlet, you know, whether it be talking to people, having experiences, this and that, um, kind of in the doldrums when you, when you can't travel and and now recording this, um, why we're all like quarantined, that is definitely something that all of us have had to do. What has helped you through those times when you come back from trips and, or the time now where we're like, yeah, we're all itching to travel, but we can't.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Starting my podcast in general has helped a ton. Um, just talking about travel. And I've actually made a ton of friends from hostels. Being a solo traveler, I literally have to make myself make these friends. So I will talk to them about past trips. I look through past photos. I try and plan trips or like at least plan the ideas of trips that I want to take after this. I have like a whole, I literally have like a push pin map of places I want to go. I think that's really helpful. And just like you said, surrounding yourself with people who are very like-minded and want to do the same things as you and can help you like stay excited about travel, even though right now we're all s- stuck in our houses.
1: What, you mentioned a good point here about meeting other people. And and again, as a solo traveler, which you have a lot more experience than we do, because Heather and I have traveled a lot together and very little um, bit by ourselves. What did you find with making friends? Like, What were some of the tips for making friends? And then also, because I think people can go some, f- maybe too, f- not too far that way. I don't want to say it's bad to make friends, but where then you don't, take yourself out of the comfort zone to do the things like you did, even though it was a quote unquote mistake, right? <laughs> uh, of, of, of being with, with Laura and your Italian host. But kind of how do you find that balance between saying like, all right, I definitely want to meet people and hang out with them, but I also want to have my own trip. And there are things that I want to do that if they don't want to do, I kind of have to make sure that I'm still doing that for me, like we talked about kind of at the beginning of the show.
0: Yeah. So in Paris, which like I said, was the first place I went, I did not make any friends. I was super uncomfortable with introducing myself to people. I was like, I just want to be alone, do my own thing, stick to my itinerary, whatever. And then I went to Florence and I had made a couple friends there. It was more comfortable for me. Um, I was in an all-female hostel. So Mm -hmm. that felt better and it was a lot easier because a lot of the people I met I knew had spoke English. Um, And I feel like just women to women in general is a lot easier as well. Um, but that's actually where I met, I would say my first friend, she's from Germany. Um, we, She actually had like classes during the day. She would go take classes and, and learn Italian and I would do my own thing. So just having like those separate interests and just realizing that that's okay to like go off, like just because you met someone doesn't mean you have to stay with them. And then she had left and then I had went to Rome and Rome is actually a place where I had met two, I would say to my best friends to this day, Um, Kate and Natalie. I mean, Natalie lives in Portland. I go out and visit her all the time. And Kate, who lives in Ireland, who I actually visited on another trip. But when I had met Natalie, it was funny. Kate had left that day and I was like, oh no, I'm alone again. Like, what am I going to do? And at that point I was comfortable being alone, but at dinner I was sitting by myself and Natalie and her friend Sierra walked in and I was like, should I invite, I was like in my head, I was like, should I invite them over to sit with me? And I was like, oh, they're looking for a plug, like that they need to plug their phone into. And there was one beside me and I was like, I have one. (laughs) Yeah. So they sat down and we just started chatting. And I mean, I still had three days left in Rome and there were days that they wanted to, you know, go see the Vatican and I'd already gone. So I would just still, you know, go to my coffee shops or go to different touristy destinations there. But I think you still have to don't be afraid to tell people like, no, I'm going to go do my own thing because even now, if Natalie and I travel together, we'll split up and go do the things that we want to do. Cause it's not always going to be the same thing. And I think that's important to remember either when you're traveling with other people, or if you meet them on your trip, just to know that it's okay to veer off and do things that make you happy, even though it may not make the other person as happy. So.
2: Yeah. And I just, I kind of want to touch on a fun thing that we've seen in our own life is you just mentioned that you met Natalie in Rome and you were together, what, three days? Yeah. And it's just, it's so amazing the bonds that you can create with people through traveling. Like if you were at home and you met somebody in three days, you wouldn't become best friends. No. Because you're not experiencing these huge things together where you're outside of your comfort zone and you're Experiencing this fun thing in Rome that you've never seen before. So you have that bond. And we found that with a lot of our friends that we've met through traveling, that even if you only spend a couple of days with them, the bond that you have with that person is really true and it's really deep. And it's just such a great way to meet other people and then visit them because we've visited a lot of our friends that we've met through our travels. So it's just even another amazing thing that can happen when you get out there and you travel, whether it's with somebody else or on your own.
0: Yeah. And I think you create that bond and it's like, you create a friendship. So fa- it's almost like when you're a little kid and like, you're like, how are kids be like, make friends so fast. That's yeah. how you feel when you travel, because you're surrounding yourself with these people who are doing the same things as you. And they like the same things as you. And I mean, like Natalie and Kay are some of my best friends. Like literally they, su- it's just nice to have people who support you and they understand like what you want to do when you travel solo. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And that's a great analogy. Like It is like being a kid. You know what I mean? You're, you have that
2: childlike wonder when you're experiencing a new place and then you share it with someone else and there you go. You're friends for life. Yeah.
1: I'm going to give you an open-ended question. You can handle oh. it because you're a podcast host now. Okay. What is a thing or some of some things that surprised you about traveling? Like whether that's a change in yourself or whether that's just something that, you know, because we all have uh, this idea of what's going to happen when we travel, right? And we know unexpected things are going to happen. But from like, like a big, broad perspective, what has surprised you about like the you now versus the you before you travel, because you could have easily gone down the path and just said, I'm waiting for my friends. I'm waiting for my friends. I'm waiting for my friends. Now I have a regular job. You know, I'm not saying you never would have traveled because I'm sure it would have come out eventually, but you decided to take the path that maybe was a little harder, at at least a little more unconventional. And it's kind of determined who you are now. So what is, what is that done? Like looking back, if you could have said when I started this, I thought I'd be this type of person, but here's really some of the things that surprised me about the changes that happened through traveling.
0: Yeah. So I think I didn't really, I thought I'd go on this trip and it'd be fine and I would love it. And you know, my dreams would be coming true and whatever. But what really happened is after going on that, my very first trip, I look back and I think like I figured everything out on that trip alone and like now in my everyday life I could if I'm having like struggles or if I can't figure something out I'm like you figured out an entire six-week trip to Europe alone like you can figure out how to you know edit a podcast you can figure out how to fix a flat tire. Like you can figure things out because you did it alone and no one was there to help you. And that just, I think, built a ton of confidence in me. And it just, I think, made me stronger overall. And another thing that I realize is, and that I'm so incredibly grateful for is I am comfortable being alone. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't get to experience and not because they don't want to, but just because they're never put in those situations where they have to be alone. And there's times now when I just need to take that space away from like friends or family, and I just I'm comfortable with sitting with myself, and I think that that's because of travel.
1: Man, she is wise. <laughs> I got deep. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sorry. I think those are two. I mean, that is the the change that happens when you travel is just such an. I don't even want to say side benefit because it could almost e- ultimately be the the best benefit. But we all think, oh, it's travel. It's finding you know, it's seeing the new things, it's experiencing the new sights, it's eating the new food. And of course, like that's all <laughs> yeah. great. But th- there is this idea that you are going to change as a person. And for anyone out there who's sitting there saying like, I do want to take that first big trip or that next big trip. Like, it's cool that all the side benefits that happen, ultimately, then will give you something that when you come back to quote unquote, normal life, and it will look different anyway, because it won't be your normal life. Um, you're going to be a better person through that, whether it be confidence, whether it be fine being alone, whether it being a better pro- problem solver, or you let stuff roll off your back more, because when you're traveling, there is going to be situations you don't understand and can't control. And we're, use- we're not used to that all the time, kind of in our home situations.
0: Yeah, I think it really forces you to be open minded and to just expect the unexpected a little bit. And when you do come back from your travels, it opens a whole new world to you when you're home. Well, I think
2: because your whole podcast is about getting sweaty, the next question <laughs> we have to ask, what was your biggest travel mishap? And we know Ooh. we've had a lot throughout our travel travel, so you have to have one out there that was like your biggest one. Uh,
0: I have a couple. Um, so the pork chop lady is pretty famous um, on my podcast. <laughs> she <laughs> – so I get on my very fl- first flight and I'm like, this is so cool. This Airplane is so big, like i 'd never been on an airplane that big, and I get sat down and literally on one side of me is this guy eating beef jerky, and it smells so bad like just don 't bring beef jerky on a plane <laughs> and that I look over and this other lady who i 'm sitting right next to has these two giant dogs, and I love dogs so much, but these dogs are kind of gross and like smelly and Then this lady like reaches out of her backpack and she pulls out this plastic bag and i 'm like, What in the world' is this i was like this can't be happening there's no way that there's like food in there for her dogs whatever pulls out full entire like cooked pork chops like full pork chops and starts feeding them to these dogs and I'm sitting there like, this cannot be allowed. Like, I know you're allowed to bring food on planes, but, like, this cannot be real. And so we're sitting there, whatever. The flight attendant kind of sees, like, this deep fear in my eyes. And she comes over and she's like, do you want to move seats? So she moves my seat. And we're sitting there and the plane's still not taking off. Come to find out the dog had bit a flight attendant. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, so the apparently you're supposed to have muzzles on dogs. And since these were emotional support dogs, like they were big, but since they were emotional support animals, they were allowed to be on the plane. And so they didn't have their muzzles. So the guy was like trying to explain to them that they had to get off the flight, which means that the lady had to get off the flight. And they were arguing and arguing and the flight got delayed and we're just sitting there and the people behind them are screaming because they're scared. And then so she finally gets off the plane and like an hour goes by and we're like what is taking so long and her banjo was under like yeah. the the plane and luggage and so they had to find her banjo and i'm like first of all there's got to be only one banjo on this flight so how <laughs> hard is it to find and second of all like why did she need to bring a banjo and with these two dogs like it was just the craziest thing um, but that's how i started my first trip and then i ended that trip with just the worst bed bugs I've ever ha- like seen. It was absolutely terrible. Wait, have you
1: seen multiple bed bugs?
0: Okay, so in Paris, the first hostel I was at, I got like bumps on my leg, and I was like, "What is like, what is this?" And I left, and I was like, "Okay, maybe it's mosquitoes. I'm I i do not know." And I email the hostel and I was like, Hey, I have these bumps. Like, do you know what this could be? And they were like, we'll check your bunk. And it was bed bugs, but it was only like three or four, but we've never experienced bed bugs in all of our travels. Like knock on wood. Oh
1: no. Mac might've just cursed us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've had them. It was twice in one trip. I didn't have them. (sighs) Any other time. But so I take all my luggage, my Tortuga backpack, I shove it in the dryer. It's, I try and get it all out. Um, and here's a tip for travelers never put your luggage on your bed because it, your luggage is dirty and also like that could get bed bugs into your actual bag. But anyway, so the so
2: bed bugs, you can actually like they're big, you can see them. They look like
0: little. So if you like pull up a bed, like a sheet, and you uh-huh. it, they crowd around the corners. So they, and then they sometimes you can't see them though because they bur- like bury themselves into yeah. the mattress. But if you do see them, they leave like droppings and it's like little tiny like brown specks. So Ooh. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I've Googled bed bugs before, but I've never, you know, we've never had them
2: at a place we stayed that we know of. So yeah. But in I checked.
1: $2 a night hostel in Thailand.
0: <laughs> I know that sounds better than this.
1: A definite steal at this point.
0: Exactly. Um, so I, checked my bed every other stop that i had on that trip and then my last stop i ended up in this 12 person room completely alone which is kind of eerie because you kind of want someone else at least one other person in the room in case something were to happen and so i like go and i check my bed and there's no dots or little specks and so i'm like okay i should be good and i wake up and i have bed bugs bites like all over my body and if you have gotten bites before you know that they're usually in a line because they like just yeah so that i mean all over my body is disgusting. I was like, okay, I'm switching beds, whatever. So there's no one else in this room. <laughs> you didn't switch hostels. Oh my god!
1: I'm switching beds.
0: <laughs> I'm 12
1: nights, <laughs> she goes to every bunk and she just keeps getting more bites.
0: It so took I- me 12 nights to learn my lesson. <laughs> So I think the reason that I stayed was because I fought this battle for people in this hostel. Long story short, everyone I see has bed bug bites at this hostel. Like, literally, like, I have an album on my phone titled Bed Bugs, and it's, I took pictures, I would went around the hostel and I was like, can I take a picture of your bites? Can I take a picture of your bites? Because oh, I wanted everyone to get refunds, <laughs> and so I made everyone promise me that they would leave reviews on Hostel World that th- there was terrible bed bugs, so they all did. And so I'm up there like fighting this battle with reception and my f- new friend, Natalie's with me and she's like, everyone needs refunds. And I'm like, yeah, everyone needs refunds. Cause everyone has bed bugs. And I'm like swiping through my phone. I was like, you don't want this to go public. Like who <laughs> oh, was I going to show word. it to? <laughs> and so nothing ended up happening. Um, I did get their um, listing taken down from Hostel world, which I felt like was a huge win. But I mean, like it was just the grossest thing. Literally every bites. Everyone had bites in this poor, Uh, I think she was Swedish. She didn't speak very good English, but she had them like all over her back and she didn't know she had them. She was like, it's itchy. And I was like, yeah, you have a ton of bed bugs on your back. Like it was just really gross. But I would say those were probably my two biggest. Wow. (laughs) No wonder you and Natalie are such great friends. You literally went to war together. I know. She didn't even have bites though. I don't know why she was like supporting me. (laughs) It's so funny.
1: Oh man. I I love the pork chop lady. (laughs) Might be my favorite traveler I've ever heard about. Two emotional support dogs, a banjo, and (laughs) cooked pork chops for those dogs too. It
0: was. It was. They were. I mean, these dogs were huge, and they were like shaggy and kind of looked like they hadn't bathed. And yeah, that was great. Again, we've never even been on a flight with a dog of Uh, any size. Not
1: that I I have. Not that big though. Like I guess I I was lucky. Yeah, you you sound very lucky. Man. I can see why you started a podcast all about bad luck and mishaps. Oh, yeah,
0: right? you I've only have so. three
1: episodes, and now you're done. Um, <laughs> no. But so then, all right, you kind of mentioned this on your show when you are interviewing us. But give us some of the sweatiest places you've ever been, because I know we use the sweaty traveler as a metaphor for mishaps and stuff like this. But it comes from a place of hey. Like when you're sweating, things are uncomfortable (laughs) and not glamorous. So give us some of the places where you've just sat there. You've been like, yeah, yeah, this is (laughs) like, I'm sweating and this is, this is it.
0: Yeah. So not necessarily always like places or cities are more like situations I find myself in. I would say, One that I remember very vividly was I was getting on a flight from London to Ireland and it was this super tiny like budget airline. So what happened was they, there wasn't really like a gate at this airport. Like everyone was just kind of standing around. So they had told everyone like, okay, like you can all go outside. The plane's here. The plane had a mechanical air, but the doors had locked. So we couldn't get back inside and no one was letting us back inside. So we're all sitting in this like humid Like dry, like I guess it wasn't dry. It was this humid sun was beating down on us, like black. Top and we're all just like drenched in sweat. I have my giant overpacked Tortuga backpack on me, and I'm like strapped in. I'm wearing leggings because I thought it would be cold outside. I'm wearing a sweatshirt because I thought the plane would be cold. I'm like drenched in sweat, and I'm we have to wait another 45 minutes for the plane to get there. And I was so uncomfortable in that situation, and everyone was kind of irritable and started getting like a little angry. We were all hungry. It was at lunchtime, and then we have to get on this flight. And this it's so small. The plane's so small, and then we're all like. We all smell really bad because you're sitting in the sun. That was a bad situation where I was definitely actually a sweaty traveler. Um, and then just in Rome, I was so sweaty the entire time I was in Rome. I I mean, it was disgusting. I showered twice a day. It was, I think they were going through a heat wave. I was trying to wear sundresses, but, you know, you have to have your shoulders covered and your knees covered if you go into the churches. So I was, it was just disgusting. I felt gross all day long. I felt dirty because I feel like Rome's not the cleanest place.
1: That would be accurate.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And so I just, there are these situations that you find yourself in and you're like, I'm literally sweaty. I'm gross. I don't look cute. My makeup is literally melted off my face. The pictures of me look absolutely insane. I can't use this (laughs) for Instagram. So there's definitely been situations where I've just not been my, my best self while traveling.
1: I guess then we have to ask, on the Sweaty Traveler Instagram, is it going to be those pictures that you just said, I can't use these for Instagram?
0: Oh yeah, I have right. a I have albums upon albums like pic- like funny pictures that's in my mom. I'm mean, gonna I have other people send in pictures, you know, just the worst one. like when you open the front camera, and you're like, oh no, like I was I was supposed to see that like things <laughs> like that. But and definitely pictures. It's been really hard as a solo traveler to have pictures taken of me, so that's kind of where I got the frustration. I was like, I'm never gonna have good Instagram pictures. So I have a ton of funny pictures that other people have offered to take for me that just did not. Turn out, they're not Instagram worthy at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I was
1: just gonna say, maybe the bed bug pictures make it oh. on the sweaty <laughs> uh, travel <yeah>.
0: Instagram <laughs> for sure. I'll tag maybe, you in them.
1: Maybe that's a, its own little highlight, right? Right at the bed top. bugs. Bed
0: bugs. So, people, <laughs> so can, love it. people, can send in
1: their bed bug pictures,
2: right?
0: Yes, I think that. Yeah, and then we could highlight all the places they got them, so people will visit there. Great idea. Yeah.
2: Helps yeah. We're everyone. Trying to help people out in the world. <laughs> exactly. You know? Don't go and get
1: bed bugs. All right. So outside of the bed bugs making uh, a debut on the Sweaty Traveler Instagram page, what else do you have in store when it comes to the Sweaty Traveler podcast? Because again, we are so excited that you've launched this project, that it's out there, um, get to see it to come to fruition. But what do you have in store with the Sweaty Traveler?
0: Yeah, so I have the podcast obviously. It just started. I'll have episodes be coming out every Monday. And then every Saturday, it'll be sweaty Saturday, where either I will do read one of my mishap stories or ones that people send in. So I just definitely want to keep showing these crazy sides of travel and keep telling these crazy stories that people have. And then on Instagram, I will be highlighting all the interviews and guests that I have, but I also have some really fun content ideas, just like before and after like airport security what that looks like and just like packing mishaps so you can definitely check out the sweaty traveler on instagram to follow along with some of the content but i don't know what's gonna happen yet it's gonna be sweaty that's i know that (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are so happy for you and we love the
2: podcast already. We had so much fun recording one with you because it is hilarious to talk about (laughs) mishaps. It's just fun to reminisce and think back on, you know, that's hopefully that one situation isn't going to happen again. So you can laugh at it later after some time has gone by, (laughs) but we just want to say, Mac, thanks so much for joining us today and showing that the world of travel can be fun and sweaty all at the same time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So remind people, Mac, where can they come find your podcast? And also how can they connect with you on Instagram? Because you are a wizard at that (laughs) platform.
0: Well, thank you. And thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. I mean, I've told you this a hundred times, but I literally used to listen to you guys on my drive to babysit in college. And I was like, one day I'll be like Heather and Travis. And (laughs) now I'm on the podcast. So thank you 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 so much. we're
1: all sweaty together.
0: Exactly. Um, But definitely check out the Sweaty Traveler on Instagram and you can find the Sweaty Traveler podcast on anywhere that you're listening to podcasts, trying to get those ratings and reviews. So if you love the podcast, definitely do that. Fill out a review. It takes two minutes, but yeah, I have a couple fun things in store so you can check them out there
1: nice and as we mentioned you know when we started this podcast like our whole goal was to tell travel stories and and from people who were travelers and doing it and my favorite question to ask for the last 6 7 years has been what's your biggest travel mishap and i've loved that mac has now taken it and said like hey that's just going to be one question on the show like that's the show so uh, i've had an awesome time getting to listen to some of your uh, some of the episodes that you put out. And then as Heather mentioned, we just got to get interviewed by you and yeah. uh, a bunch of our mishaps are on that show. So if you guys love it as well, if you're like, yeah, I want to hear those stories. I want to hear the mishaps, the misadventures um, and things like that. Check it out. The Sweaty Traveler. Uh, so glad to welcome you to the podcasting family, Mac. It's awesome. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. And yeah, guys, I have EPop exclusive mishaps on the Sweaty Traveler. So you definitely <laughs> have to check those out.
1: That is true. Thanks again, Mac. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for your continued support. That makes us one of the top-rated podcasts out there. And until next time, everyone, happy free travels. travel travels. <laughs> I know I took it from you. Hey, so, I want to do Mac sign off really quick. Oh yeah. You have it. Can we can we commandeer your sign off? Yeah, your-
0: but we can we can do happy free travels. We just did that. Moving okay. on.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what do we say? You you lead us in it.
0: Okay, so we say until next time, stay sweaty. Just that All
1: right. Ready? Okay,
0: should I do? Do we want to you say until it. next time together?
1: Yeah, here we go.
0: Okay, <laughs> until, until next, next time, time,
1: stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. <laughs>
0: I'll show you parents.
1: And the winner of the sweatiest city in the U.S. in 2019 is Charlotte, North Carolina. Rounding out the top 10 are Raleigh, North Carolina, St. Louis, Missouri, Austin, Texas, Richmond, Virginia, Miami, Florida, Minneapolis, Minnesota, that's a shocker, Orlando, Florida, Tampa, Florida, and Kansas City, Missouri.